I want to pray uh, before we get us started. We've got a little treat for you today. Um, we've got um, Alicia and, and Melissa coming, and they're going to share. Uh, they are missionaries, and they were, uh, I think they've been in Brazil 10 years, or Melissa has, 10 years plus, and uh, these guys uh, have been doing God's work, and they met, and they're married, and they're doing God's work and spreading the gospel, and some amazing stuff going on uh, through them, and uh, they're going to share with us this morning uh, their testimony and what God is continuing to do through them and where God is taking and leading them now. Uh, the church has been supporting them for a while, a little bit. We are coming alongside of them uh, more so um, and wanting to be more of a part of what they're doing. We, they met with us a little while back and the elders, and uh, we were just in awe of what God's doing through them. And so we decided that we wanted to help further the cause, and so we partnered with them more financially. And uh, they're actually um, have come out of Brazil, been called out of Brazil, and now they're now planning to go to Thailand. And they're going to do, and they'll come and tell you about this. I'm just introducing. And they're planning to go to Thailand. Now they want to leave this month, but the borders are closed. And so we're praying that God would make a way where there seems to be no way. And we also want to, at the end of the service today, and we'll give an opportunity next week too, uh, since um, it's you know not as many people here today, uh, that we want to do a love offering for them today too because they're going to have moving expenses. They're going to have to find a place to go. They've got all, all types of uh, expenses that uh, they're going to uh, incur on the, on the journey and as they get established over there. So we want to pray for them. We want to send them off um, well finance so that they can do what God is calling them to do. Uh, so I want to call these guys up. Y'all come on up. And it's more than just, it's more than just money. No, not yet. I, I got to establish that. Um, it's more than just money. We want to uh, come alongside of them and partner with them in prayer. We want to partner with them in heart and in spirit. You remember in Colossians when Paul was writing to the church of Colossae, he said, you know, I'm not there in person, but I'm there in spirit. And I think that we can be of one mind with them and one spirit. And as you hear their testimony and what God's already done and what uh, they're praying that God would do, uh, then I think that you would have no problem coming alongside and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. So I would ask you, uh, you know, I never talk about money in here. I trust God with money. I don't, you know, and the church is going to help them not just monthly, but we're going to send them out with a gift too. But I'm asking you to search your hearts and see what God would have for you to give to them today. Okay, we'll do our regular offering here at the church, uh, but we want to do a love offering for them as well. And I'll say this, as I've said before, we believe in what they're doing. So if you only have a little bit of money and you got to figure out and you're like, well, I can either give to the church or I can give to them, as much as it is in my power to do, I free you to give whatever you're going to give today to them if you can't give above and beyond what God has called you to give. Does that make sense? Uh, so I'm asking you to give to these guys and support these guys. I believe in them. I love them. And uh, I've apologized to them because I haven't been as involved as I should have been and, and would like to have been. Things get crazy, but it's no excuse. But I did listen to their story, and I listened to their hearts, and I know God is using them beyond a shadow of a doubt. So with that being said, I'm going to pray for these guys. I'm going to turn it over to them, and I would ask that you would uh, open up your hearts and commit to pray, number one and commit to um, help them, number two, because they're going full-time missionaries, okay? That's what they're going to do is be all about God's work, and we want to help them as they go along, okay? So let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I pray for these guys. I pray for the Spirit of the living God to be uh, just all over them, uh, to fill them up full with his power. Uh, I pray, God, that they would be strengthened in the inner man, God, that they would be strengthened with all power and wisdom and knowledge to know what is the breadth and the depth and the length and the width and uh, just just how rich you are in blessing and how rich you are in wisdom and understanding, God. They have put off the things of this world, and I'm so in awe of, and I know they don't take any credit for that, but I'm so in awe of what God has done for them, and it pushes me and it causes me to want to do more, and it pushes me and causes me to want to be about you and your business more than I am. And so I praise God for them. I pray, God, that you would bless them richly today, uh, that you would fill them for their testimony today and uh, for uh, their word that they have for us. God, that you would give them power and boldness and and, and anointing. And I pray also, God, that you would richly bless them uh, with gifts from us, God, whatever that might be, Lord, a commitment to pray financially, spiritually, Lord, encouragement. God, I pray that we would come alongside of them uh, as our brother and sister in the work, uh, your work, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Morning. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I just have this, like, this feeling over, I can't stop crying, <laughs> and I'm not sure why, except for the fact that the Lord's been bringing me to this place over the past two years where I just cry in his presence, and um, he's, he's here this morning, and um, so, but we're excited to share with you guys, and um, before I get started, we want to share um, our testimonies and a little bit about what God's been doing in our lives the past several years. Um, but before I do that, and I don't even think that Brandon knows this, but um, one of our one of our biggest supporters, you know, we were all hit pretty hard um, last year um, with the lockdown, and you know, in the beginning of the year, and I'm sure that all of you guys were hit, you know, pretty bad. But um, so one of our main supporters um, called us and told us that, that because of um, their job situation, they wouldn't be able to be sending us their support every month. And our um, God's brought us to the place where we're, we say, okay, he'll take care of us, you know. Um, but um, um, then their support goes through the church, and so they, they send their support to the church, and the ser- church puts it in our account every month. And um, But so the next month, I wasn't, you know, obviously looking for that, um, but it came into my account, and so I sent um, Shonda, I think is her name, the who takes care of the finances, and I I said, um, I think there's been a mistake. Um, our supporter wasn't able to send their um, their check-in, but the money is there. Um, would you like me to transfer it back to the church? Maybe it was, you know, just a mistake or whatever. And she said, oh, no, somebody is going to be covering that for you as long as your supporter um, can't do it. <laughs> and I don't know if, I don't know who it was. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just the church. Or maybe it was an individual, but either way, um, we gave all of our thanks to God, and we said, bless that person, Um, and, um, like, that's just one testimony of many, many testimonies, and God has called us to live completely by faith, Um, and we don't, uh, we don't get money from the organization that we're under, Um, we raise our own support, and we've been doing that, you know, I've, I've been in Brazil, like Brandon said, for 10 years, 
Um, we've been doing missions as a family for six years, six, almost seven. Um, and so that's, you know, that's how we, that's how God has called us to, to live and do our ministry. So, um, we're very thankful for you guys. We're very thankful for the body here. Um, we've been here since August, and it's been really, really great to be able to connect with different people throughout um, the con- congregation and get to know you guys, and we're really thankful for this time that we've had here. Um, so, yeah, so we'll just <laughs> kind of get started. I'll just pray really quick before we start. Jesus, thank you so much for this time here this morning. Thank you for your sweet presence that's here, God. We just ask that you would come and give us the words to say. I pray that you would um, bless and encourage each one of us here this morning. We love you. Amen. Okay, so um, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, I uh, I was raised... I grew up here in Landrum. Um, some of you may know my parents, Dave and Linda Staltzfus, um, who um, have been going to church here for a while and um, are very active in the community. And um, so, yeah, so I grew up here um, in Landrum in a Christian home. I was always really involved in church, involved in youth group, and, um, you know, but and I, I always did the right thing. I was, I was at church doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but there was something missing, and that was my relationship with Jesus. And it was all just, just you know, doing the right thing, but it wasn't actually getting in a deep relationship with the Lord. And so it was when I was a senior in high school that um, I was at a revival service, and I just I said to God, God, I give you everything, all of my life, everything that I have that I give it to you. And I didn't know it then, but now I know that I was giving <laughs> what I was giving my life to. Um, but um, I made that commitment, and, um, you know, the Lord started working in my heart after that, and I started walking with him um, more intimately and more, and more closely. And um, so soon after high school, um, I hadn't had plans to go to college because I didn't have a career path. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, so my my sister actually, um, she told me, well, she asked me, well, what is it that you, that you want to do, that you see yourself doing? And I said, the only thing I can really think of is encouraging, like, younger girls. Um, and I was like, I really love to do that, but I don't, there's no career in that, right? So um, she said, well, have you ever considered um, studying youth ministry? Um, and I said, I don't know what that is. So um, she, so I uh, reached out and I looked around, um, and I found North Greenville University. And but I was like, there's no way I'm going to get accepted. I'm already a, um, it's already spring semester of my senior year in high school. There's no way I'm getting accepted. Um, but I applied anyway, and I got accepted miraculously. And then, I, and then I was like, well, God, I don't have the money to go <laughs> to college, so you're going to have to provide that. And um, within like a few short weeks, I um, was applied or I was approved for scholarships that would pay all of my tuition um, at North Greenville University. Only thing I had to pay was books, and um, so I was like, "Okay, God, you must be in it." So I went to North Greenville um, and I studied there under the youth ministry program, 
and I was um, graduated in, t uh, oh boy, <laughs> 2010 maybe, <laughs> I think that's, that's the year I graduated. Um, and so at, at North Greenville, I, um, I learned a lot about, you know, ministry and my professors there. And um, during that time, I watched a, a documentary um, during one of the chapel services about uh, human trafficking. And my heart was broken. And I was like, it, like, literally, it was like I had no idea that this was a thing. Um, I didn't know that this happened, and um, so I kind of made a promise to God. <laughs> I said, I'm going to do something to change that, and um, and after that, you know, I started telling all my professors. I was like, I'm going to work with um, with girls on the street, and I'm going to, you know, pr you know, rescue them from sex trafficking and all of that, and they were like, you're just this shy little girl from Landrum. <laughs> you're not going to do that, um, and um, that actually challenged me to to actually <laughs> pursue what I knew that God was calling me to do. And um, um, I got involved in, in a couple short mission trips. Um, I went to um, Ghana, Africa in 2019. Um, the next year, actually with North Greenville, it was part of their program during the spring or spring break, went to Honduras, loved it, and I, and I felt God telling me, give me a year of your life um, to to serve me in another country, and so I said, okay, um, so I wanted to go back to Honduras, I went a second time for a week, and there was lots of open doors, but I just didn't feel like it was the right thing, and the Lord just kept saying, like, that's not, that's not where you're supposed to go, and I was like, but that doesn't make sense, I love, I love it here, this is exactly what I want to do, I want to work with, you know, teen girls, and, um, but it wasn't the right thing, and then not long after, I met the, um, a couple, who have a ministry there in Brazil um, with a children's home. And I knew as soon as I heard them sharing that that was where I was supposed to go. And so I just showed up. <laughs> I went up to them after church, and I said, hey, I want to come serve with you guys for a year. And they said, well, I'm okay. <laughs> um, so I moved to Brazil um, for a year, and everybody thought I was crazy because they were like, you've never been to Brazil. You're going by yourself. Um, and I, you know, I was just out of college. I had never left home. Um, and so, but I went and the Lord just clothed me with so much um, courage, <laughs> I guess, and excitement. And I, I was just ready for whatever God had for me. And um, one of the uh, passages that, um, and I actually shared this with a friend um, just the other day on Facebook, um, oh, one of the passages that has been, um, just a stronghold for me in my life is Psalm 139, um, and um, one of the verses, you know, where can we go um, without his spirit, and I knew that wherever I was going, that he was with me, and I vowed, and I said that, you know, even if I impact one life in Brazil, it will, it will have been worth it, um, and I believe that, that God has um, worked through me, and and I'm really thankful for what he's done, and he's probably done more in me <laughs> than the people I actually ministered to. Um, but um, I was serving there at the, the, the children's home. I ended up serving there for three and a half years. And um, during that time was when I met Elysio. <laughs> and um, we, you know, we were kind of getting to know each other, but neither of us really spoke the same language. So kind of <laughs> difficult <laughs> for a, a while <laughs> um, but uh, eventually you know we obviously started getting to know each other more and 
you know, now we are where we are today. Um, but um, one of the things that, so during, during that time when I was serving there, um, I remember the Lord gave me a vision um, one day when I was in church and I was worshiping. And all of a sudden, I, it was like I was here with you guys, but all I could see in front of me was um, steps kind of like these, only a lot more. And there was girls all over the steps. Um, and they were all uh, um, with really dirty clothes, and they were um, bleeding, and they were really dirty. And, and um, as I stretched my hand out, and I passed it over them. They were all healed. Um, and I was like, God, what is that? And, and I really felt like he was calling me um, and telling me that I was going to minister um, to broken girls and, um, and minister healing to them. And so um, that was just a huge confirmation of my calling um, and one of those encounters with, with the Lord that you never forget. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, so yeah, so Elise's going to share some of his testimony, and then we'll get into uh, what we were. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah? All right. I can hear anything here. <laughs> I'm always uh, talking about this um, speakers thing with Steve. I can hear me. You know, I cannot hear me. It's okay, but they can hear. That's that's good. So uh, we had a couple pictures. If you guys can put there. Oh, I forgot. It's okay. <laughs> I just don't want to interrupt you. So this is Melissa. You want to? Present yourself there? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my first mission trip to Africa, so I went to an orphanage there too. So, uh, yeah, you can go to the next. This so this is some of the 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 main girls that I ministered to there at, in Brazil, at the children's home. Those were my girls. Is there some more of them? Um, this this children's home, you know, they had kids who were abandoned, abused, um, physically, sexually, any way you can imagine. And um, so mm -hmm. I lived there for three, for three years with them, uh, learned Portuguese from them, <laughs> um, played with them on the weekends, ate dinner with them at night, picked them up from school, talked to them about their boyfriends. <laughs> I was, um, so that was, that was my life for three years. I loved it. I taught English um, to them. Um, drove buses, I don't, everything. <laughs> I was house mom for a while. Um, my last part of, of my term there with them, I actually lived, um, they had a program, and this was the program that actually um, 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 really what made me want to go and serve with them. They have a program where, like, they're older teenagers. They kind of... Um, they put them in a, like a transition home where they're in the city and they start working or going to college. Um, so they're a little bit more independent. They're, they're working. They don't kick them out when they're 18 um, is basically what they do. And so for my last um, half year, I guess, that I was with them, I lived with those girls in the transition home. So I was their, you know, house mom, I guess, <laughs> I guess you would say. Those aren't them, but that was what I, you know, I did the last time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now it's my turn. <laughs> so hi, everybody. I'm really happy to see you here again, Steve. I'm glad you're, you're back. Yeah, so thank you for the opportunity one more time. I'm really happy to be here. I love my wife so much. My two daughters are in Kidwell now. Or as my older one would say, Micah is in Babywell now. So, <laughs> yeah, she's really smart. So... 
just like a little um, talk about Proverbs, Proverbs 31. Is that right? Proverbs 31. Uh, if you want to know more about Proverbs 31, you can just spend a little bit of time with her and you're going to learn everything about the, that chapter. She is a faithful friend. You're going to love have her as a friend. So, yeah, I love her so much. All right. So, my testimony, right? So, I grew up, I'm from Brazil. I grew up in Brazil. I know how to play soccer. Yep. <laughs> and I don't want to brag myself, but I'm really good at it. <laughs> but I'm not really good in Brazil. I'm no one of the worst there. So, yeah. If you want to start in a soccer career, you need to beat me first. <laughs> All right, just joking. So I grew up in a Christian home. I saw my grandmother having like a prayer garden in her, in her house every Friday. The second Saturday of every month, she has like a night watch, midnight until 6 o'clock. I was always there. I loved that. And I grew up seeing this every day. So my grandmother, she was from an assembly of God really Pentecostal, but I was from a traditional church, really Baptist church. So I saw the good and the bad from, from both of them growing up. Yeah, and I learned both of them, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I really love really growing up in the church. Everything that I, that I was doing it, like playing, friends, uh, even, even like eating, I was doing at the church. I really loved the church. And in my teenage years, I was like learning music, playing volleyball, being like helping with, uh, with worship sometimes. And with a lot of problems in my home because my dad, he made a couple mistakes and he was uh, betraying my mom for 14 years. And throughout those 14 years, I was growing up and going to church even more because I needed and I was growing in relationship with God, and that was making me more um, intimate with Him. But it was a really, really hard years. But yeah, but I, wa I was always like there in the church doing things. So, yeah. Yeah, my dad, he wasn't going to church anymore. My mom was really sad at the church, and... And seeing all this, go, I was going to church, but seeing all this, I was kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my goodness, where is, where is God in all this? You know, I know you're here. I know you can do miracle, miracle, miracles and, like, amazing things, but what's going on in my house? You know, like, my, my, oh, my gosh, my, my, my house is a mess. And I started, like, get myself, in, like, introducing myself to sin, all kinds of sins, growing up, but I really loved the church, so sometimes I was like out of the church, committing sins, living like the sinful style of life, and sometimes I just repented and go back to church, and I was doing this back and forth so many times. And during this time, uh, one of the leaders in the church uh, he noticed me and he saw that I was playing guitar really good and he really wanted me to be part of the kids' ministry. And he came to me and he asked me, hey, Liz, you want to come and, and play guitar? We're going to go to this orphanage. It's really fun. There's lots of kids. And I said, I don't like kids. So, 
And he said, I know that, but you're going to like it. Okay, let's, let's, let's try. And okay, so let's go. And I went there, I was helping. <laughs> Why are you laughing, guys? <laughs> so yeah, well, I'm, I'm really sincere, so yeah. <laughs> and then I went to that place, that orphanage. At the end of the, the, those four days, I, was, I fell in love with that place. Oh my goodness, I was like amazed by everything that their, that, that couple were doing. Their names was Mark Anderson and, and Kimberly. They are like Americans, and they start this ministry there. Melissa were under their leadership, and they were amazing. And I was, oh my goodness, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. The unbe- it's unbelievable, unbelievable that something like that exists here in, in my country. So I, I commit myself to, like, starting going, like, many times. And, yeah, so throughout this, I met Melissa. But, yeah, I need to stick to the, to the notes. <laughs> So, yeah, she's really good at this. I'm not, but I'll try my best. Chiru's ministry, was, yeah, so, and then, even if I love God so much, I think we all can relate to that, right? We love God so much, but there are struggles and sins that the devil wants to come and hit us so hard, and I was struggling with so many kinds of sins, but I also wanted to, to serve the church and, and be part of the church. But I, I didn't see myself like, I don't deserve to serve the church. No, I need to be pure. I need to be clean to go to church and serve God. But this is a fantasy, right? Because God likes the, the, the messed ones, actually. <laughs> and he, he died for the messed ones. So, so if you have someone like that, or if you're, if you're like that, you're just in the right place. God lo- loves messed people, yeah. messed up people, yeah. Just like me. Not like before, but I'm better now. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, like, I kept going, like, so for a certain season, I went really far from God. And that was when I was introduced to, to all kinds of drugs, you know, like immorality and all kinds of dirty things that you guys can imagine. And one day I had a dream. I was like, oh my goodness, that night, it was the worst night in my whole life. I was really, really high. I used all kinds of drugs that you guys can imagine. And I had a dream. I, you know, I always cry when I, I try not to cry, okay? So, <laughs> so I had this dream and I saw this big, like, uh, you know, like tank of water, is that right? tank of water and like big sharks inside of it and I have like a harpoon is that right harpoon like a big stick with a thing to to yeah you got you guys got it and then I was there and I I jumped inside of it and I start like getting the sharks like and throwing them out of the water like I was fishing the sharks and I heard the voice I, I don't want to make you a fisherman of men is that right you guys correct me okay I want to make you a, a fisherman of sharks like big ones, and I woke up right after it, and I just like, I, I, I knew who was talking with me. I said, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so messed up in here. I think this is the worst night of my whole life, and you come to me and tell me that you're gonna make me a fisherman of sharks? You know, you gotta be kidding. And then I wrote a song, Unfortunately, as in Portuguese, I cannot sing to you guys, but <laughs> I'll translate it later. But that night, I was like, how can, you, how can you come to someone like dirty like I was on that night 
and tell things like that. And my leader, uh, Andrew Fenston, he is the leader of our organization in my country. He said once, yeah, God doesn't see us. Uh, he doesn't see us through our past. He sees us through the future. So when he's saying like, you're a son of God, you are a prophet, you are a pastor, you are, he is looking at the future. He is looking at something that you're going to turn into. So this is really good. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, me and Melissa were like, after that, me and Melissa start dating. And then we went to that, uh, get to know each other. We, we went to this mission service after many yeah, months. We went to this mission service in this base, this missionary base called Iris Fortaleza. And then uh, you guys are going to see her in one of the videos we have here, not now. But is there another photo of me over there? If you have, you can show it to them. <laughs> yeah, like, see you guys. This is in the middle of the streets. And then um, we went to that service, and I went there. I didn't want to go, but Melissa invited me to go because she knew what was about to happen with me. You know, like when you, I think you guys know that there's people close to you. They are full of God. And when you're in, a, you're in your messed up life before, you know that that person really have God. And you want to like, you just like, you just love that person because she really loves God or he really loves God. And they can get you closer to God. So, and they can like, they can kind of like perceive things in you. So Melissa noticed that if I was there, if she, if she would take me to that mission service, something would change or start. And then we went to this mission service and this lady came and I remember her saying, she, said, she just said like, she was starting to preach and she just said, good evening. And I started crying right away crying like a baby, like uh, boo-hoo crying, like snot and everything. <laughs> I cried, I cried. And I, I never felt so much peace from a person like I felt on that night coming from that person. And crying, crying, crying. And Melissa was there so happy and crying too because <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> and oh my goodness, that night was, oh my goodness, it was amazing. So yeah, like, and then like we were like dating and then we got married we got married. Do we have oh no, you don't have pictures of ours getting married there. Yeah, we do. We do? Oh yeah. <laughs> this is our wedding. My mother in law was there. My father in law unfortunately he he couldn't be able to go. But yeah, this was our marriage. Yeah. So uh -huh, so beautiful, right? <laughs> All right. This is it, I think. And is there any for, yeah, so yeah, this is about the red light, right? So yeah, stay on that picture, don't change it now, okay? Um, all right, so I was, I was, can, can you go back to the wedding picture, please? Thank you. Um, and then like we kept going to the admission services and I was working as a real estate agent. agent. Um, and one day I was there in that service again and Melissa was like all the way in the front close to the, the preacher and I was all the way in the back and we kind of like wanted like that for us to feel like uh, from God and not, I don't know how to explain that, like 
She wants to feel from God without my, my, my distractions. distractions, exactly. And uh, I was all the way in the back. And the guy who was preaching was Andrew Fenston, my leader. And, his, and he was preaching. And every word that was coming out of his mouth was, it was kind of like a nails going inside of my heart. Like, and he was preaching, no, you need to give your life to Jesus like 100%. I was, oh my goodness. You know, I, I need to go away. And then I went all the way in the back, even further, because I didn't want to hear. And then they started praying. And then I heard a voice like, uh, get out of the job, is that right? Or give up the job? Mm-hmm. Give up your job. And oh my goodness, the Satan is talking in my mind. I cast you in the name of Jesus, get out. <laughs> and then I heard two more times, like, get, out, get off of your job, get out of your job. And now, it sounds like God, but God would ask me to leave my job because it's my way of living, right? And all right, if it's you, you're going to talk to Melissa. <laughs> and at the end of the service, She's going to come to me. She's going to ask me if you, talk, if you said something. And if, if, she really, if she really understood what I'm talking with you right now, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to make her a question. I'm going to ask her if I can, if I can uh, take the decision that I'm about to take. Is that right? Does it sound right? Okay. All right. The, uh, the service ends, and then she came to me. She came right to me, and she said, Okay, did, did God say anything to you? And I said, if you're asking me, you know already. My question is, uh, are you willing, are you going to submit yourself for the decision that I'm about to take? And then she said, yeah, go ahead and do it. And the next morning I got my cell phone and I called my boss and I said, hey, I don't want to uh, work for you anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. Just like that, guys. You know, Melissa, Melissa I, we were talking about that. In Portuguese, you say oito or oitenta. It's like you're all in nothing. or nothing. And then, oh, I don't want to work for you anymore. Thank you so much for all you have. <laughs> Elise, are you crazy? So he was mad at me. Just because we're in the middle of a negotiation, I was about to sell like a really beautiful apartment, really expensive. And the same guy that was selling his apartment would buy an apartment from us. So I was like quitting. And if I quit, he wouldn't receive his part, right? So all the job was like, and I'm so sorry, I can't, but I want to I wanna live the rest of my life just for Jesus. I want to talk about him for the rest of my life. That's going to be my job. Ah, oh, it's okay. Never mind. And then, yeah, he hang out the phone. <laughs> he was really mad at me and asked me to give up. And band, what's the band? <laughs> My band? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. All right, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) It was just another... (laughs) Because he was playing in a secular band at the time. And the Lord told me to give that to and only play for him. Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to talk about that now. (laughs) I want to talk again. So so besides that, I was also recording a CD album. It's like, it's one of my shameful things I don't really like. But, and then I heard God also God talking to me, okay, your art, everything that you do with instruments is going to co- be for me and only for me. You, and so I don't, I don't blame people that like to play like secular. It's okay if they want to do it. But for me specifically, God called me to all the art that inside of me, it belongs to him. 
And then I called like my friend. They were recording a CD. We had the band all set up to start. Hey, man, I don't want to play in the band anymore. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? You know, it's just because God told me that I need to give all my art to him and I don't want to do it anymore. Ah, it's all right. I understand. Many, many years later, I was talking with him and he said, man, I got so mad at you that day. But it's all right. I forgive you. Yeah, that's it. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about our ministry in Brazil and um, or in, in after, you know, at that point when after we were married. Um, yeah, you can move to the next picture. Um, so we, we started volunteering with a ministry called Iris Fortaleza. Um, it's part of a international organization called Iris Global, and that's the ministry that we're involved with today. Um, and so we started volunteering with them, and they have a lot of things going on at their base there in Fortaleza, the city we were living. Um, so we started volunteering in everything that they did. Um, and, you know, we just wanted to you know, really just give everything that we had. Um, and so one of the, the big things they had, um, they go into the slums. Um, they, um, a, you know, really poor community there. And they have a prayer house right in the middle of the slums that used to be um, the drug leader's house in the slums. And they had lookouts all around the city to watch out for, like, the cops when they would come in and stuff like that. Well, we were able to get that building and transform it into a prayer house. And um, so that's where we have our prayer services every week. Um, and so we were going there to the prayer house. We also have, like, children's ministry that goes on there in that prayer house, um, discipleship. Um, every Saturday they have, like, a, like a Bible school type thing um, for the kids there in the community. And so we were volunteering with that. Um, there was also teams who would go out to the, um, they call it the Sehtom, which is like the, um, the villages way out in the middle of nowhere where there's little access to water, food, jobs, any, um, you know, schools, hospitals. And um, so we would go out on um, weekend trips to those places and evangelize. We would take donations out to them. Um, so we were involved in that. Um, and then we were also involved um, with the red light district, which was, um, I was like, right away, that's where I wanted to pour myself into um, and so we were going out to the streets um, every weekend. Um, um, preach, well, so in Brazil, um, street prostitution is actually legal. Um, and yeah, as long as you're job. 18, um, it's considered an actual job. And um, so we would go out at night. They usually would come out at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we would stay out till 3, 4 in the morning um, just talking to them walk in the streets, going into the nightclubs. Um, you know, we would meet, meet up with them in the bathrooms of the nightclubs because that was the only place we would get a little bit of silence to be able to talk to them and just pray with them while they're, like, putting their makeup on and getting ready um, and talk to them, um, build relationships with them. And, um, you know, one of the things that we learned um, while we were in the middle of this ministry. And eventually we, we started focusing more of our time in the red light district um, instead of, you know, volunteering in all the other aspects of the ministry. We were still involved in, like, the prayer nights and stuff like that. But our focus was mostly on the red light district. That's where we felt like God was calling us to. And um, so a lot of time, so 
I was talking to um, another lady who has a ministry really similar in another city in Brazil, and she said, you know, when you go out to these, to these girls and you're talking to them, um, everybody, everybody who goes to them wants something from them. Um, everybody that they meet, you know, the, 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 the um, manager at the club, they want their business. You know, the, the clients, obviously, we all know what they wanted. Um, you know, everybody wants something from them. And she said, and if you go to them wanting them to make a decision for Jesus, aren't you just one more person who is wanting something from them? And she said, you have to learn to go to them wanting nothing in return only loving them, only pouring yourself out on them, only showing them how much they are loved yeah. by Father God. And that was something, like a huge lesson that we learned. And so um, we, were, we, were, we would have intercession every time we went out um, because we wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we knew that we couldn't go out without his presence and his power. And um, so um, I wanted... an. Another thing, so we would meet up with them during the week too. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting really excited. Um, we would meet up with them during the week, um, take them out for coffee, to the movies, whatever they wanted to do, and treat them. Um, and just, you know, ask them, how is your family? And we had a lot of them who would invite us into their homes and introduce us to their families, and we would go to their birthday parties and, um, you the know, Bible celebrate. Studies, Bible studies with them? We would do Bible studies with them, too. Um, but even if they weren't open to Bible studies, we we just talked to them. Just, we're Play just games. A, a friend, played games, um, celebrated with, with them when, you know, with their kids. Some of them had kids. And so... Um, that was our, our goal. And another thing that we did was um, love, love banquets. So we would um, get up one part of our base and completely deck it out and um, have like a huge banquet. And we would go out into the streets and invite them in and just love on them. We would like paint their nails, um, just have food, share, usually shared a word with them, um, worshiped and sang over them and um, so those were really, really special nights that we had. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to show a video. Um, it's seven minutes, so I'm sorry, but I think you'll really like it. And it's going to give you a good idea of um, the lady who's sharing in the video was our leader. She was the one who started the ministry. And um, she passed it on to us when, when she um, was about to leave Brazil. Um, and... It shares, a, it's a testimony about a night where um, the Lord just gave us extreme favor and we were able to go and worship in the nightclub. Um, the, the manager, well, you'll see the testimony, but yeah. I, yeah, you can just watch the video, mm -hmm. but that's just, it's our leader. Um, so, yeah. As we draw so near to you. Would you draw so near to us as we draw so near to you? Would you draw so so about three and a half years ago, after we moved to Brazil, um, I was just walking the streets of Fortaleza looking for girls that worked in prostitution. And 
The first night I actually found a girl and got to minister to her, I noticed this nightclub across the street and it just caught my eye. And ever since then, for the last three years, um, most weekends we've been going there, doing outreach and just um, ministering to the girls, building relationship with them, walking with them uh, towards Jesus and towards freedom. And um, in that same area, we've just been continuing in that same area for the last three years. And over that time, many times we've just gone and laid our hands on that nightclub and the others in the area, just praying to see Jesus come and for freedom. And um, the beginning of this year, my team and I were feeling really strong urges from the Holy Spirit to somehow um, preach or or bring the light of Jesus in, in a different way um, than we were already doing, which is going into the um, in, into the club um, at late at night, ministering to the girls, talking to them, loving on them. Um, but we felt like Jesus wanted to just take over the club, and so we tried different tactics. We we went to the DJ several times, asked him for the microphone. We uh, tried to talk to the manager for permission. Uh, we even prayed that the sound would just stop so that our, our voices could be heard, all to no avail. Um, but we just continued praying, ministering, going to the same area. About three weeks ago, um, the manager just totally opened up to some of the guys on our team and some words of knowledge that they had for his life and to the love of, of love of Jesus really just touching his heart and he heard our dream, um, our hope to, to worship inside that place and he invited us to come spend the whole night doing worship service in his club. De ter convidado o cara que estava servindo a gente para trazer o refrigerante e eu perguntei se a gente poderia orar por ele é, perguntei se ele tinha algum pedido de oração ele falou que queria que orasse por um amigo que estava doente nós oramos e quando nós estávamos orando por ele ele sentiu a presença do Espírito Santo muito forte e ele começou a sentir muitos arrepios ah, a gente saiu do balcão ele chamou a gente e voltou e e ele falou que sempre que nós quiséssemos voltar lá nós tínhamos livre acesso nós saímos de lá realmente muito empolgados foi algo mesmo, mesmo sobrenatural. E ele compartilhou, eu peguei o contato dele, o contato de telefone, e ele compartilhou com a gente que ele era o gerente lá do local. Ah, quando nós saímos de lá, eu entrei em contato com ele algumas outras vezes. Algumas semanas depois, a nossa equipe reencontrou ele. E ele convidou, fez o convite inusitado para que nós fizéssemos um culto lá dentro. Então... Last weekend, um, from 2 a.m. to about 5 a.m., uh, we just invaded, and we invited four, about four churches from around uh, the city here, and um, just had an incredible, powerful night of worship and celebration and um, freedom, and it was just one of the most powerful moments uh, until the day. It was just so beautiful and a night that I will truly never forget. Um, uh, one of the beautiful moments was 
one girl that I ended up um, inviting that was working on the streets that, that night came and she just stood in the very front for the whole three hours just with her eyes closed, just lost in the presence of God, worshiping. And um, it was beautiful. And um, another incredible just sign and wonder was seeing uh, all the churches, everybody together, just with one heart and mind to just give all praise and glory to where it is due to the Most High King. And uh, that just overflowed my heart with joy. And um, the icing on the cake, I think, was at the very end of the night. Um, the manager spent the whole night with us and again was just overwhelmed with the love of God. And um, he, he, at the end of the night, looked at us and said, this is the first night of many um, nights of worship in this place. <laughs> so we were celebrating. And so we're just so excited how God is opening the door. He's invited us to come back. And um, we just can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do and can uh, continue to do here in the streets of Fort Lays and in the Red Light District. Um, I think we had two other services like that in that club yeah, after that. Yeah, three, um, I think. Yeah, two or three. Um, I wasn't part of all of them because I started having babies and I couldn't go out in the middle of the night. <laughs> but um, they, um, we were obviously really excited. Um, that was the first night, and then there was a couple more, and um, we got really close to the manager of that club, and... Um, you know, the team, they still go out um, now. Um, we raised up leaders before we left Brazil, and so there's a couple that's leading the ministry now, and, um, you know, they still have contact with that um, that manager of that club, and we're believing for his salvation, and we're believing that that club is going to be transformed into a church. Um, we've been declaring that for the past several years, so we'll just keep believing it. <laughs> um yeah, I wanted to share really quickly a story of a girl that I met, um, and then uh, he's going to share a little bit of his um, experience in the red light district. But um, uh, in 2016, um, we met a girl, and I'm not going to share her name just to protect her identity because we're live, I think. Um, and she, when we met her, we met her in the, um, the beginning of 2016, and she had just found out that she was pregnant, and um, she already had another little girl, um, 
I don't remember exactly, four years old or so. Um, and she was in a really bad situation in the home that she was in. Um, we met her on the streets, obviously, um, working in prostitution. And, um, and the home that she was living in was really unsafe for her other daughter. And she was she's asking us and begging us for help to get her out of the place that she was living in. And um, so we had some, some friends of ours who were willing to take her into their home. And um, so they brought her in and nurtured and cared for her and her little girl all through her pregnancy. Um, and then her baby was born. And um, after some time, um, the family, something was going on in their, in their family situation, and she wasn't able to live with them anymore. And um, um, unfortunately, she went back to her mom's house and kind of started falling in, in with some bad friends again and um, went back to the streets. And, you know, we were so disappointed. We were like, Lord, you brought her out. She was in the church. She loved Jesus. And, and while, she, you know, we were talking to her through the whole, you know, her whole journey. And she was like, I want to be a missionary just like you guys. And she was like, I know that God has a ministry for me. And she sings. She's a powerful voice. And um, she loves to sing for Jesus. And, um, and then she found herself back on the streets again. And, and we were like, God, what are you, what are you doing? And, um, and, but we, you know, we kept after her, and, um, and then, the funny thing is, like, she would go back onto the streets and completely lose contact with us, um, and I think, you know, because she, she knew, um, that where, you know, where she was, and she didn't want to be there, and she didn't want us to know that she was there, and, um, but, um, then, you know, after a while, she would come back to us and she knew where we lived so sometimes she would just show up at our house and and be like hey I need your help I don't want to be you know where I am and she was like I need you know something and so we were on this journey with her we started um uh we helped her write out her resume um we helped her to to be able to find a job and you know it was kind of a back and forth thing and um you know, then she would start working, and then she would get really discouraged because she felt like she couldn't pay her bills as e as easily, and um, so she would go back to the streets, and then she would show up on our doorstep, and it was like a back and forth thing for um, for a while. And um, I I want to share her story because it's someone that I've grown really close to. She's um, you know, I still have contact with her today, and um, about about two years ago, it's coming up on two years, um, she she came to us, and she said, I'm leaving the streets for good. She said, I'm never going back. I don't ever want to see myself um, in that situation again. I know that's not what God wants for me. I want to be a missionary, <laughs> and, um, and I said, okay, let's go one more time. Get back up, and let's keep going, and um, so she started doing nails, um, and she started going into people's homes and doing nails because she couldn't get a job at a salon right away. Um, and then we helped raise money for her to take like a, a course to where she could get more professionalized um, and you know make more money with what she was doing. And she was able to do that, and she was really dedicated. Um, and you know we were leaving 
we were leaving Brazil and um, I invited her over to my house and I said, what do you need? Like, we're getting rid of everything. Just take whatever you need. And she took like our Hadassah's bed and a whole bunch of things. Um, and she was so thankful and she just sat there and cried and she was like, Melissa, I can't believe you're leaving. <laughs> She's like, who am I going to talk to now? And um, obviously, you know, I left her with some people that will follow up with her and stuff. And, um, but you know, she messaged me afterwards, and we, you know, we've been talking, and one day I got a message from her, and she, she had been living with her boyfriend, you know, and she's like, Melissa, what do you think about this, and I said, well, you know what the Bible says, um, I think that you should not be living together, um, you're, you know, and I was very honest with her, very straight up about what the Bible says, and she knew it, and she, she loved that I was honest with her, she said, I, I want to, I come and talk to you, because I know you're going to tell me the truth, um, but she just didn't have the strength um, to leave him. And she was like, I want to get married. And I said, well, your problems aren't going to get better just because you get married. Um, but um, we, we just kept praying and kept loving her and kept, you know, pouring into her. And, and she messaged me in, um, a, a couple months ago, about two months ago, and she said, um, I got married. <laughs> and um, he's coming to church with me, too. And um, so... Um, it's kind of, it's messy, it's really messy, but we're really, really thankful, um, because she's in the word, she's like, I, um, she's like, I know that God has a ministry for me, and whether he wants to do it with me or not, I'm gonna do it, (laughs) and, um, so she's going to church faithfully, she's dragging him along whenever he will come, um, she did get married, which, um, you know, we're celebrating that with her, right, (laughs) because it's not exactly the way we want it to look, but it is beautiful, and God is restoring her, and um, I wanted to share her her story, because it's really close to my heart, and I wanted to ask you guys to be praying for her, and um, celebrating her life. I believe that God's going to do great things through her. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, she's definitely a better version of herself today, because of God. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to explain a little bit of the Red Light Ministries. I'm going to try to be really short because you're probably going to be run off time, right, Pastor? So <laughs> we, had another, we had another video to show you guys, but this is a shorter video, I think. I'm not going to promise it's a short video. but So uh, based on Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we go to the Red Light Zones. We called red light because there's a street in Amsterdam. They called red light because they have like a what do you call vitrines? Windows. Windows with uh, uh, naked women there, and everybody can go and pay and do whatever. So that's why you called it red light ministries. So and so Bil- Melissa got pregnant and she couldn't lead anymore. I was kind of like being like guarding her back. I was kind of like the the intersection guy, the worship guy. And she was like the, like kind of the head of the thing. And then she got pregnant and she couldn't go anymore. She was going until like six months, seven months pregnant, something like that. She was going with, with to the streets leading the team. And then I need to step up, right? Step up, man, do something. And I was, oh my goodness, I don't want to lead. I don't know how to lead. People get mad when I lead, you know, like I don't know how to use my words. But yeah, so based on Mark 16, verse 15, we go to the streets and you might think, but like, were you going to the nightclubs or strip clubs or something like that? So we were not going to clubs where the girls were naked. 
just to clarify that to you guys, all right? <laughs> so in places like that, we would get the leaders, women leaders like Melissa and others that we had at the base, and they would be like the ones to start um, to pioneer something in that club or something like that. And then as soon as like the, the girls would be like dressed, the men would come and ministry together alongside with the girls. But it wasn't, this it wasn't the case in this, in this nightclub. In this nightclub, they were like all dressed. Uh, they, they could be a little bit more dressed, but they, they weren't, okay? But, so I'm just gonna say it again. Based in this chapter, in this verse, we go to them because they need. And um, I'm, I need to be short, but I don't know how. So there's lots of dark, 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 dark places here in Landrum, Campobello, or like in America, right? Yeah. And uh, you guys saw the video like, of what happened when the gospel, when the power of the word comes and change the, and switch the atmosphere of the place. We can take over like nightclubs, we can take over like prostitution zones, we can take over, we can take to us and give to God all the honor and glory. So um, it's, it's crazy because I had problems, struggles with pornography and immorality, and God was calling me to go there. How is that possible? If you have a struggle with that, and like you're going to go straight to the place where you're going to might be tempted to it, is that possible? Is that allowed? God's going to allow something like that? We are in another state, um, learning from a different ministry, me and Melissa, and we're going to the streets with them, and they were doing the same exact ministry that we do in Fortaleza, in my city. And I was there, and we were kind of going together and talking with the girls. And I heard God telling me, now it's time for you to start approaching the girls. Until that time, I was just leading worship and intersection. I was praying while them were approaching the girls. I was leading worship and praying, cover them in prayer. And then God told me in this, like, during this time in another state that I should start approaching the girls. And I'm kind of <coughs> cutting, cutting off the story a little bit. And then, I, okay, if that's God, my wife is gonna be okay with that. And then I went to Melissa and I asked her, I think God told me to start approaching the girls and like with the gospel. What do you think about that? Can I do that? And she said, if God is telling you to do, you should do it. So there's like accordance, accordance? Agreement. Agreement between the couple, like my leaders knew it, everything was like under God's control. And so yeah, and then I started doing it. So we were going like every Friday, and then uh, it became two days, two days of the week, and then it became three days, yeah. So, um, is that good? Yeah, it's good, right? Don't need to explain more. This one? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I see that, I need that. So. After a couple um, months doing this, I was in the streets with Melissa, um, and then I felt really compelled to go to the transvestites. Because until there, until that, we were just going to the girls. And then, oh my goodness, but they are so like, we don't know, if I, they don't like Christians, they're gonna punch me, or they have knives or bricks inside of their, their you know, like the bags, whatever. And then I said, I think God is telling us to go to the travestites tonight. And she, well, let's go. You know? And then we went and we met the first travestite in the ministry. Man, it was challenging. And I'm going to tell you like, how I approached that guy. Oh, I really got him. I went there 
and we sat down. He sat down too with us, and we spent two hours without saying a word. He was just talking all the time, and we were just listening for almost two hours. He was saying bad things about the church. He was cursing everybody. He was mad at this. He was mad at that, and we're just hearing it, just listening. I heard the Holy Spirit telling me, be quiet. Just be Jesus. And I was, oh my goodness, all right. And that's what she did. We kind of like chatting a little bit, but he was the main like talker in the, on that talk. And until today, we have a relationship with him. He didn't receive Jesus as his savior until now. But we believe that this is going to happen. We still have a relationship with him. And he called us missionaries, the missionaries from the base, part of his family. He invited us to go to the birthday party of his mom, his birthday party. We go to his house every once in a while. Well, the missionaries now that they're in Fortaleza, they go. And we have a relationship with him. They, he knows that we have something different. We, we got Jesus. So that's when we start. That, that's when I, f if I can say that, guys, that's when I fell in love through Jesus Christ with the transvestites because they need Jesus. They don't have friends. They don't have friends. Most of them are alone. And how can, how can we overcome this? Like, how can we fight against the darkness if we don't go to the darkness, to the darkest place? So I'm going to read this verse. It's, uh, it's in Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. That's when, like, David messed up in Israel, and he was really, like, proud of himself. And then the angel of the Lord, or, yeah, an angel came and started doing a lot of, people start dying. And then he went to this place to offer, like, a sacrifice to God. And that's what the guy said, Arauna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant to buy your to buy your threshing floor? David answered, so I can build an altar to the lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arauna said, let my lord be the king, take whatever he wishes. You guys know where this goes, right? Um, but the verse that I want to read is, but the king replied, no Arauna, Arauna, whatever. Uh, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And this is the verse that pretty much drives my life. Guys, if it doesn't cost anything to you, what, what kind of a Christian life do we have? Amen. It needs to cost something to you. We need to go to the darkest place. We need to go to, you know, of course, with like leaders, with people like know the world, people that are like uh, based on the world and have really deep relationship with God, but go to strip clubs, go to nightclubs, go to slums, poor communities, people with guns, like dangerous places. We need to go to, to these places and, and bring Jesus. How can the gospel reach them? How? There's no way. Of course, there's like internet and all that, but if they have time to watch something on internet, they're not going to watch the well services, and you guys know that. So we need to go to them and we need to show Jesus to them. And I was talking about this with Melissa last night. Um, it's really, if you grew up in the church, you're going to learn a lot about the Bible. You're going to hear a lot about the Bible. But do you agree with me that sometimes you read something and you don't, you don't fully understand what you're reading it? 
So do you agree with me if you like spend you can spend the whole life in the church and not understand what some verses mean? So you can say the Bible without understand what you're saying. So I can tell something that I learned from the red light ministries, like going there. Uh, I learned how to hear, how to listen, and how to be Jesus to people. I'm still no, still messed up. You guys know that. A lot of me- a lot of junk here inside of me. But we need to we need to be Jesus more than talk about Him. We can have a, like a quick answer, boom, just like that. Because we grew up inside of the church, we heard the pastor preaching so many times. But what about being Jesus? What about be Jesus to people? This is a lot harder. It requires a lot more. It requires bloods, nails, and two pieces of wood to bring the gospel to places like that. So I believe God called, called, us, called us as church to go to the darkest places and preach the gospel to them. Because you know what's going to happen? The same thing that happened to, to our friend. I almost said her name. That's why I don't like to write the name down. <laughs> the same thing that happened to her and the same thing that happened to many other girls that we had a relationship with. God's going to transform their, their life. And then they will come to the well to watch the service. And then they will come to close to us. And then we're going to play katan together because they're not going to be transvestites anymore. And then, and then they go to the men's retreat because they used to be transvestite. But now they are men of God, full of the Holy Spirit. So... Yeah, so this photo over there, guys, um, because God taught us how, how, how to do this crazy thing on the streets, uh, our, our leader at that time, Lorelai, she started to doing the seminars, teaching people how to do that. Because I don't know about America, but Christians in Brazil, they don't know how to approach prostitutes and transvestites. They don't know how to preach the gospel to them. They're scared of transvestites. You know, the transvestites come and pff, the Christians, like, vanish. So we start doing this. We start teaching, like, we said we always we were always always saying that this is the way how God taught us to do. If God teaches you to do in a different way, do it, because we are a body and we do things different, right? So we start teaching uh, in different churches, and this is the Assembly of God Church. Uh, can you go back to the other picture, please? Um, and then we were invited. No, the the one with the people. Yeah, that one. Thank you. <laughs> um, to go into many churches, different denominations, and anyone you hear from us, how to do that? How can we reach the red light uh, zones in our area? But not only for that, even like to poor communities, like you know, like drug dealers and all that. How can we reach them? So this is Assembly of God Church. The pastor is over there, right beside me. I'm all the way there in the left corner, and it was a really blessed night. Can you go to the next picture, please? Thank you, my friend. This we had like a communion at the the club that you guys saw the and the manager was there he really he really like he opened the doors for us we can do services that if you guys go to brazil tomorrow with me we would be able to do a service there in that club that's what happened there yeah you can go to the next please am i forgetting something melissa so yeah so this is a one of the events we had like we called people we invite people from different churches and we went to different red light zones in our city. And this is like different teams and we're always spread out in the city to preach the gospel and bring the gospel to those places. And at the end we have this service uh, in this square in front of a Catholic church. 
this is what this is the main place where we gather every Friday to go to the yeah this is the the red light place this area over there and this is all Christians praying worshiping God so yeah guys so yeah be Jesus more than speaking about him and uh, what else this is it right thank you yeah um <laughs> so All right, we're, um, we're almost done. We're almost done. <laughs> um, but we wanted, so we wanted to like really share with you guys what, what God's been doing in Brazil. And um, it, was, it feels like a whole lifetime packed into six and a half years. But um, um, someone asked us recently, well, why are you giving all that up? It seems like you're just getting started with your, <laughs> you know, your ministry. You're starting to have success and see fruit. Um, why are you leaving and going starting over? Um, and that's a good question. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit of like when God started speaking to us about Asia and how he started calling us to go to Asia. Um, so our leader, um, way in the beginning, he would, he would get out a map and put it in the middle of the floor. So our base served as like a training base for missionaries while we're all serving in the communities. We're also training, um, Their focus was on Brazilian missionaries to raise them up and send them out to the nations. Um, and so our leader would get a big map and put it in the middle of the floor during our discipleship time and say, okay, everybody pick a place <laughs> and start praying over that place. And um, um, some people already had an idea of where God was calling them to. Some people didn't. Some people wanted to stay in Brazil. Um, and I don't remember exactly what we, where we put our what spot we chose then um but I know that it like that was the culture that was um being lived on, on our base was constantly not thinking about like our community and what we're doing here but like what is God doing around the world and how does he want to get you involved in what he's doing in other nations and um so um um my heart personally um started burning for india and i was like oh man i have to go to india i don't know um what it is so i went to him and i said i feel i feel like we gotta start praying about india and he was like um i don't know about that i don't i don't think so he wasn't all for it they like to flirt with the women so that's why i didn't want to go there um <laughs> so So we, some of the other people on our base, they also um, had a heart for Asia. And so they got a team together and we all started praying about Asia. We would meet up, you know, every couple weeks and start praying. And after about a year or two of that, um, we decided to take a trip um, to Asia. Some of us had never been. Um, and we wanted to go and like step foot on that um, continent and see what God was going to tell us from there. And so um, Uh, Elysio and I and Hadassah, Micah wasn't born yet, um, and um, another couple and their little girl who's uh, Hadassah's age, we both decided that it was the time for us to, to take this trip. And so we started praying together, started making plans. Um, this is in, this is, uh, in 2018. And, huh? Um, yeah, go to, go to the next picture. I don't remember. Oh, this was just backtracking this was just us uh teaching some of the seminars i was like pregnant with micah <laughs> so that's just us teaching that's at the one of the churches we were teaching yeah, I completely forgot about um yeah this that's is it. 
can stop there. In Thailand. <laughs> um, so we started praying, and um, Elizio and I always really wanted to go to Cambodia. Um, have any of you guys ever watched the, um, the documentary Nefarious, Merchant of Souls? Anybody in here? Yes? Um, if you haven't, it's, um, it's a documentary that Exodus Cry made several years ago um, um, about sex trafficking. And um, you can find it on iTunes, I'm pretty sure, for like a couple bucks. Um, so worth it. Um, and um, if you're interested, I really recommend it. Um, but they talk about, in the documentary, they talk about sex trafficking in Cambodia, Thailand, and lots of other places. And we started, we started having this, like, dream of going to Cambodia. And um, so... Um, when we were praying for where we should go, we were like, we want to go to Cambodia. And our friends were like, we want to go to Nepal. Because um, we had other friends who wanted to go to Nepal. And we had contact in both of those places. It seemed like it would have been an easy thing to do. And um, so we started getting in touch with our contacts. And all of it, it was like, well, the Lord was just like closing the door right in front of us. And we were like, what? Like, why is this happening? You know, we wanted to go to the red light districts in Cambodia. We wanted to go to the unreached people in Nepal. And, um, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Lord started speaking about Thailand. And it was totally off of our radar. <laughs> and um, so we called up our friends and we were like, for some reason, the Lord is, is um, pointing out Thailand to us. And they were like, us too. <laughs> and um, so we really felt like that was a confirmation. So we kept praying about it and we kept, um, you know, making contacts. And the Lord just placed everything together. We had some really great contacts. We wanted to go to Red Light District, and we wanted to go to the villages, to the unreached um, parts of Thailand, too. So we were able to go to both um, in Bangkok, right in the middle of, like, one of the biggest Red Light Districts in the world. Um, we were able to go to that with a ministry that's been there for over 20 years. And we were also able to go to some of the villages, which is some of these pictures that are here. Um, you know, we were we went into some of their homes and you know prayed for them. Let me just say really quick. So this guy that I'm praying for, he used to be one of the pilots for the king. He used to like uh, pilot the airplane for the king in Thailand. Yeah. Um, this is in Bangkok, the ministry that um, works in the red light district. We were able to have worship night there in the middle of the red light district, praying for healing. Um, yeah. You can, you can go back to that other one. Um, but anyway, so that was our trip in 2018. We spent about two months there. Um, and we really, like, we loved it. But we went home back to Brazil, not really sure if that was where we were supposed to go still. And, um, but we, we, we did feel the Lord speaking to us about different things. Obviously, we saw the need of the gospel in that place um, and for, you know, ministries. Um, and the, this place that we went to, um, you can see that, like, it's very simple way of life. You know, we had our meal right there on the floor. They sit on the floor to eat. Um, and when we were there, I completely lost my train of thought now. <laughs> um, da -da -da -da. Oh, they have been praying, the, the pastors of the church we were there with, they'd been praying for, I don't know, 10, 10 years for missionaries to come to their um, province. And we were there. <laughs> we found ourselves there. And they said, you're an answer to prayer. We can't believe that you're here. And they prayed over us and they blessed us. And um, 
um, you know, it was just really encouraging um, to be able to go there. And so we're going to show you guys a little video. And the only reason we're going to show it is because to give you a, a picture of um, what it is to be an unreached people group. Um, and that's one of the places that we're going to be going to. Um, they have the, the presence of the church there, but it's like very slow in growing. And they need more people um, to go and join up with the church there. Um, and so that is one of the big things. The Lord started just speaking to us after we came back from Brazil in 2019. Um, he said, won't you go to Thailand? Won't you go and, and share um, my love with the people who don't know me there? And um, so, and then the Lord took us into a place, and you can go to the next picture. Um, in the year of 2019, he brought us through some really hard times with um, relationships and just, um, getting things together with people on our base and and the Lord was telling us that our time was coming to an end and and um, and then he was taking us deeper in his word um, we started uh, doing a uh, studying a Bible course and and he um, the Lord gave us a word about um, worship ministry and and worship and prayer ministry and it was something that um, we felt like we need to step out and do more as a couple and um, so we started growing in that. We started having um, worship and prayer meetings in our home. Um, and then in our last couple months there in Brazil, he opened the door in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> he opened the door for us to open up a little prayer house right in the middle of the red light district. And it was something that we had prayed for for many years. And we didn't we didn't we were like, why are you giving it to us when we're about to leave? but we knew that it was something that he was doing in us and he was birthing um, worship and prayer out of our spirits. And, um, you know, it was the middle of the pandemic. Nobody could go with us. It was just us pretty much. Um, this is one of the other missionaries who's there. And this um, is the prayer house. This is, yeah, this is the little prayer house. And um, so we, that was what we poured and invested our time in in our last like three months when we were um, in Brazil. Um, so, yeah. Do you <laughs> so, I'm sorry, guys. This is the last part. We're about to finish. I'm not going to be, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take long. So, why Thailand? Why are we going to Thailand? So, one more time, based on Mark 16, verse 15, uh, and Matthew 24, verse 14. Um, let me just open up really quick there, if you can open up to, just to know what I'm talking about. Um, Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So, why Thailand? Because he told us to go to all the world. So we're going to all the world. And Matthew 24. This is an interesting one. 24, verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's another reason why we're going, because we want to preach the gospel to all nations for the end to come. So I want the end to come, because it won't be the end for us, <laughs> right? It was be actually going to be the beginning for us, so yeah. So, and uh, can you go to the next picture, friend, please? Is a picture or a video? Yeah, go ahead. This is the worship times that we had. 
Not the, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. So this is the region uh, called Isan region. The Isan region is also the name of the tribe, the name of the, the, the people. When I say tribe, don't think about like African people, you know, like going booga booga, not this kind. They are, <laughs> they are unreached people, and, and they're also known as a people group, small people group. I'm funny, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so this is like based on Joshua Project, and what's the other name of the other organization? Frontier missions. Those are the two main uh, resources that you can trust of people like studying, like spending time on this, going to like uh, talking with people. There are in a rich, unreached people, unreached people groups right now, so we can trust their data and everything that they have there about unreached people groups, and you can check it out. Uh, every year they update it, and Joshua Project and Frontier missions. They have everything about unreached people and, uh, and how the level is growing, if it's growing or decreasing. So it's red there on the progress. It's 0.27% evangelical there. And uh, under 2%, it cons it's considered an uh, unreached people group. So if it's an unreached people group, that means they are not reached. If they are not reached, that means the end is not going to come and you're not going to have a party with Jesus, right? So... Population is that, they have everything there. This is from the Joshua Project um, website. And the red, if you guys can see it over there, this is the, the red and the brown, uh, it's the country of Thailand, and the red is the region of Isan region, it's the northeast region. This is the place where you're gonna go. And we can, we can see it as a darkest place because it's kind of like the house of the Buddhist in Asia. So if you guys don't know that, the Buddhists, like Thailand, it's one of the, like, the modern nations for Buddhists. And that region over there, they say that the bones of Buddha is there. But India also says that. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but they have a fight because of that many, many years ago. And yeah, stupid fight, but yeah. So they say that the bones of Buddha is there. There's a lot of principalities there. Like you can feel the oppression of the place. And you're going to bring the, the gospel of Jesus, of salvation in that place over there. So we have a little video to talk a little bit more about the unreached people groups for you guys to understand. You friend can go ahead there. Right after that, I'm gonna finish. What is a UPG? UPG stands for unreached people group. But to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words he used were ta ethne, meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word but ethnically, Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations, or people groups, within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs, or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost 3 billion people fall into this category. 
Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them. 95% of all unreached people groups are located in the part of the world between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude stretching from North Africa to Southeast Asia. We call this the 1040 window. It's in the 1040 window that most of the major non-Christian religions hold sway. Collectively, they are known as the Thumb People, tribal, Hindu, unreligious, including many Chinese, Muslim, and Buddhist. Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached as a testimony to Ta Ethne, all people groups, and then the end would come. Less than 3% of our total cross-cultural missionary force is working with unreached people groups. We must go to the unreached. At the same time, it's estimated that over 350 unreached people groups are living in the United States today as immigrants, refugees, and international students. We must welcome the unreached. Christ commands us to make disciples of all nations. Jesus is alive. His mission for us is clear, yet the task stands incomplete. Together, we can change that. That's it. <laughs> And then, so just to uh, finish it, the city we're going, it's Mahasarakam, the name of the city. It's a little hard to say it. Mahasarakam, it's located in this region that we we're talking about. This is the pastor over here in the back, his wife, his son-in-law, his daughter, granddaughter, and us over there, the team that we went to, the team we went to Thailand, yeah. So this is the church that is going to receive us there as soon as we go, <laughs> if the borders are open. And they really like, they received us as a family when we got there. They're really special. So yeah, they have like, there's lots of stories about this pastor. He is a, this family is amazing. So they need the gospel. We need to go there. And our long-term vision is to have a prayer house in the region. It's probably going to be in the church. Uh, we're going to work, we're going to serve them. And we also want to work uh, with prevention, rescuing, and restoring, uh, fighting against human sex trafficking because that region, it's really known for sex trafficking because it's a really poor region. So what happens when you don't have money? You're going to find money somewhere. And how the women and the girls from that region found, find money? They go to the capital where the money comes with foreigners, and then they prostitute themselves. So most of the girls that are in Bangkok right now, they came from this region that we are going, Mahasarakam, and they need money, so something like about that. So the structure of the family should be by the will of the Bible. The man is the head and he is the provider, right? Um, but it's different in Thailand. They have a family and they have a daughter. And the oldest daughter is responsible for all the finances in the family. And the dad stays outside of the house just smoking and drinking while the daughter is like prostituting herself to get money. And the oldest son is responsible for uh, religious or spiritual stuff. So he goes to the temple every time. They take the car like a, a, like a big new truck. And they take it to the temple, open up the doors, open up the truck, open up everything. They light up candles and like, it's a little dangerous, right? But they, that's what they do, like offering things to the, to the devil, whatever. And so our first year is just like, we have this saying in, in the IRS Global Ministry, 
It says, go low and go slow. So we don't want to go there and, rah, we're the foreigners, we're going to put the gospel inside of you. We want to go low and slow. We want to serve the church. We want to learn the culture. We want to understand how we're going to be more effective bringing the gospel to that nation because it's different. Like, like well, you guys had like a trip for Virginia, right, to do some missions in there. So it's different for going to Virginia because West Virginia, right? Because you understand the culture. You know how you're going to preach the gospel and the, how they will receive the gospel. So you need to understand how they are going to receive the gospel before preaching the gospel because you don't want to be misunderstood there. Um, so we want to go low is low, serve the church. They have this church for like 20 years. The pastor and the, his wife serve the local church. We want to do discipleship. They say that this is one of the main uh, needs that they have there, not only in this region, but also in the north of Thailand. Discipleships, they have a children's ministry that we want to work with. Worship times, of course, because we love worshiping. Village outreach and prayer services. And this is our... So we, we showed our plans here, guys, that we have. We want you guys to pray with us. And this is it. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Love you. I appreciate you finishing early so I could preach. Now I have one verse for you, and um, we're going to pray over these guys. Uh, we'll, I'm going to call them back up here in just a second, but I am going to take two or three minutes and point out that, what was it, three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we had Chris uh, sharing and the guys sharing about their West Virginia trip and uh, the mission work that's going on right here in our own country, uh, just um, a little ways away. Um, now we have... Um, Alicio and, and Melissa telling us about work that's, that's going on in, in Brazil and now even in, in Thailand and this Unreached People Group. And uh, I'm not sure if you know, but, but we also are involved in a church plant that's in Asheville. It's been going, uh, going for years. And uh, also Alex Stokes and his family uh, who are ministering overseas as well. And so we love mission here. Um, at the well we love to to know about and to be involved in and and to help fund and to pray and to seek God and to see how we can be a part of what they're doing and, and a part of what Chris is doing and Chris spoke at our um, men's breakfast yesterday morning and powerful testimony and and, and, a, and an awesome word and he and his wife are serving uh, the Lord Jesus and pouring out and, and that's amazing um, but I believe that we can't lose sight that we have ministry in our own backyard. There's ministry at every turn. Every time we turn, we have to be a complete body. We need these guys to go to Thailand. Uh, we, uh, as believers, as people of God, we need to back them up. We need to love on them. We need to give, whether it be time in prayer, time in encouragement, send a message, let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I've got your back. We need to come alongside and, and come up to Chris and, and his wife. We need to say, hey, it's amazing what you're doing. It's funny because the verse of the day today on you uh, version, and I get that verse that says that, uh, that we need to be stirring one another up. 
not forsaking the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but we need to stir one another up to encourage one another, to push one another. And I don't know about you, but I'm stirred. I am stirred. As a matter of fact, I'm a little beat up. I appreciate it. Um, that, that I need to be doing more. I need to be more poured out. I need to be more sacrificial. But at the same time, you have to figure out where God is calling you. And he may be calling you. And I've already talked to these guys whenever the borders open and they get over there and they establish, I want to go over there. I'm going to go over there. I don't care. I'll buy a ticket myself. I'm going to go and I want to see what God is doing. And I want to be a part of that. We've been to West Virginia. We want to go back. I want to go and see what God's doing. And it may be that God's calling some of you to go and and minister there or somewhere and if that's the case then let us know we want to pray with you we want to know how we can come alongside and and uh be a part of what god's doing i've got one uh verse for you and that is first uh, corinthians chapter 12 verse 18 but as it is god arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose you must seek after the lord I love the fact that these guys said, we just prayed and we prayed and we sought the Lord and we thought that we thought we heard him say Nepal or we thought we heard him say Cambodia or we thought we heard him say, but the, we, we continued to pray and the Lord opened the door. We have to go where God's calling us to go, whether that's, you know, two blocks over or whether that's to Spruce Pine or Bonaire, whether that's to Campobello. There's some dark places in Camp Beller. I'm telling you right now. Hey, Rofton, Tron. Lanham, you know, there's some rough places right across the street. There's some rough places in West Virginia. And I tell you, they had to learn the culture up there, too. <laughs> it's a different culture up there. There's some rough places and dark places in uh, Thailand and, and places like that. So we have to be seeking the Lord. We have to get on our face. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in the Word. So thank you guys so much for the encouragement, the testimony, the challenge. I've been challenged today. We're going to pray over you. Also, I want to say that we're going to take an offering here in a minute. We'll do our regular offering, and then we're going to do a love offering for uh, Elisa and Melissa. And we also have online, we have uh, a, a place set out there when you do the drop-down menu. If you're giving online, you can give specifically to Melissa um, and Melissa uh, there online. So if you didn't bring a check or you didn't bring any cash and you want to give, or if you're at home, you're online, go to our uh, website, thewell-landrum.com. Hit the menu there. It'll drop down and hit give, and then you can hit the button that says give online, and then there will be another place where you can just pick uh, them as the fund that you want to give to, and you can give uh, online too. So today, if you want to write a check.